Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Joe, how much we've been telling you about taking pleasure from simple things over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue that through the month of March as we head towards Easter and just try and get ourselves through this level five and then see what happens after that. Taking pleasure from little things. Wasn't yesterday a wonderful day to do just that? I did two things yesterday, two simple things yesterday, of which I took so much pleasure, and no COVID-19 can take it away from us. Tell you about that during the morning. Good morning, Monday the 1st of March, the real first day of spring, and I will have no argument about that. Thank you very much, and good day. 1850-715-996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.com. .ie, Twitter at Opinion996 and of course you can message us through Facebook, the Corks96FM Facebook page and address your messages please for the attention of the Opinion Line. I don't know what you thought of that disgraceful debacle in, in Dublin on Saturday afternoon. I'll be looking in some depth into it later. Also the fact that some clown, shower of clowns is planning to try and do it in Cork either next Saturday around St. Patrick's Day. I think the majority of right-minded people would say, go home and take your toys with you, please, you big children. Anyway, we might get to that later on this morning. We will get to that later on this morning. But to far more serious things and dark things, you'll remember on Friday morning, we were talking here about the discovery of two bodies on a farm in a place called Corrigorum, near Mitchellstown, in County Cork. And at that time, before we went off the air at 12 o'clock on Friday, they were still looking for a red van. Gardy were still looking for a red van. Well, that van was found, and shortly after that, a third body was found. And an unspeakable tragedy had unfolded at the farm known by are known, the owners of which were known as the Saints, the Hennessy brothers. No one knows what happened. No one knows why it happened. All we know is it was horrific and tragic and has torn the local community apart with grief. Ralph Regal is the Southern Correspondent of the Irish Independent. Ralph, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Unspeakable tragedy on Friday. It is, PJ, and it has affected everybody in the community. It's a very tight-knit, it's a very proud community, and it has raised, I think, a lot of questions um, for society as a whole in terms of rural life and some of the stresses and pressures that people in rural areas find and whether they're being properly addressed. But it, it is terrible. I mean, it's a very highly respected family, very popular um, I spoke to a number of different people there. One man I was talking to who had worked with Pa, who was the middle brother. We're talking about three brothers, Willie, who's 66, 
uh, his brother Paddy or Pa, who is 60. And the youngest of the three brothers is Johnny. And Johnny was 59. And I was talking to one man on Friday. Um, actually, Fiona uh, Corcoran, your colleague there, was, was beside me. And he had worked for 18 years alongside uh, Paddy in the, the tire fitting business. And halfway through the interview, he had to stop. He just started crying. He was so upset. Uh, he described them as, you know, the most likable men and um, mm. incredibly hardworking. And there's three men that have worked since their teens. Uh, they've worked in the, you know, Paddy worked in tire fitting. And he also, the family ran a kind of a firewood supply business. Mm. It was a very, very small farm. I think the farm is only about 20 acres. Mm. So they would have done dry cattle. They would have done hay and straw for local neighbours, as well as doing minor contracting work. So I suppose the very fact that, you know, they lost all three brothers in such awful circumstances was a shock. But just the nature of the men, I mean, one man said to me, like, if you were driving along a road, it was narrow, and you came across one of the brothers, they'd stop, they'd be the type that would reverse back however far it was to a gap to let you go by. If they knew a neighbour was in trouble, if a neighbour needed help, They'd be the very first ones to come along and volunteer uh, back in the day. Obviously, they haven't played sport for a while, given their years. But back in the 70s and 80s, they were very accomplished handball players in Mitchellstown. And they would have been stalwart members of Bally Giblin Hurling Club, which, of course, is the hurling element of Mitchellstown GA Club. And one of the GA men said to me, he said, no matter what match you were playing, no matter where it was, if you were stuck for numbers, you could count on the Hennessy's being there. Salt of the earth, I think, is the term that comes to mind. In actual fact, PJ, it's, I mean, you know, there are certain phrases that will, will jump out at you on a story like this, salt of the earth being one of them. At least five different people use that phrase to me, salt of the earth, that they were such hardworking men. They were very unassuming. They were very private. Um, their life really was their work, their family and their farm. And to see it end in such terrible um, manner. I mean, the details of it, I, mean, I don't want to dwell because I'm conscious of the, the time in the morning. Yeah. And perhaps but what happened, Ralph? Do we know what happened? Uh, well, what I can tell you, PJ, is that um, the body of Pa was found in the farmyard and he had suffered severe head injuries. The body of his older brother, Willie, was found in a nearby farm shed and he had likewise suffered severe head injuries. Um, at, as you mentioned, the, the programme on Friday, that you, the, the big element then was that Gardy were searching for this red Toyota Corolla van. Now, the, the brothers farmed, it's a, a relatively isolated farm at a place called Corrigurum. It's between 8 kilometres and 10 kilometres outside Mitchellstown, effectively just off the Killowry Road or the Mallow Road. Now, about 4 kilometres from where they lived, and from where the bodies were found, the red Corolla van was found parked very close to Kyla Clig Church. And Kyla Clig Church is just a couple of fields away from where the river function uh, winds its way southwards. So there was a major search operation underway as, as we were standing at one of the Garda checkpoints. The Garda helicopter kept doing sweeps overhead. You had uniformed Garda search teams, you had the Garda dog unit, you even had the Garda water unit. And just around lunchtime on Friday, and um, the Garda helicopter spotted what it thought was a body in the river function. And uh, the Garda water unit was notified, and at lunchtime, um, a body was recovered from the water. Mm. And it was later confirmed that that was the body of Johnny Hennessy, uh, the youngest of the three brothers. So really, at that, that point, then we had a Garda press conference outside Mitchellstown Garda Station, Superintendent Liam Garrity, and he said, Gardy were treating it as a, a criminal incident, a tragic person, a family tragedy, and that they were not looking for anyone else in connection with the events. 
mm. and that the guard investigation would then proceed to post-mortem examinations um, at Cork University Hospital. All three of those were conducted over the weekend um, by a locum state pathologist, Dr. Margaret Bolster. And what's happening now is the forensics are being processed. And because they're not looking for anyone else in connection with this, what will happen is that there will be a file effectively prepared for the Director of Public Prosecutions, so, uh, which would be referred. Obviously, there's not going to be any further action yeah. on that. It'll go to the coroner's court as well, won't it? It'll, it'll then go to the coroner's yeah. court, exactly. Ralph, oh, it emerged over the weekend in, in your own newspapers and indeed in others that there had been contact between members of the family and the Gardaí the previous day and that there seems to have been some particular worry about Johnny's behaviour. What, what can you tell us there? Well, essentially, that, that, that is true, PJ. What's going to happen at the moment is that the Garda Shiakana Ombuds Commission are going to review any dealings that the, the Gardaí had with... Um, the, the family in connection with this tragedy. Now, what we do know is that there was apparently a phone call made uh, between at least one of the brothers and the Gardaí in the hours before this tragedy unfolded. And that phone call, again, the guards are not co- commenting publicly on this. They're not confirming anything. But what I understand is that there were concerns raised with the Gardaí about a, a, a dispute, and in particular about the attitude being taken by Johnny towards that dispute. Now, on foot of the, the phone call, again, I wasn't privy to what was said, but apparently the Gardaí received sufficient assurances that th- the matter had been ended amicably, that there was no major cause concern for concern, that there was no major threat to anyone, that um, a, a presence was not required at the farm. And unfortunately, a couple of hours later, what appears to have happened is that Paddy didn't return home. There was concern for him. Mm. And a, a third party went to the family farm. And it was at that point that the grim discovery was made that there was a body in the farmyard. Uh, the guardy were notified. Armed units were immediately put on standby. They went to the scene to support uniformed officers. And the body of Willie then was found in the farm shed. And of course, the major search then was underway for the missing car and the third brother Johnny who lived at the farm the farm premises and of course you know what what happened happened and I suppose we will learn details as we go along but what is and again we don't want to given the time of day we don't want to describe too much about the scene but we understand from the papers this morning Ralph that some Gardaí will be offered counselling as a result of what they found oh, oh it's shocking I mean it is I mean Again, I think it underlines and it's important given the, the events of last weekend. I think we have to bear in mind what we ask Gardaí to deal with as a society. And, I, you know, that's probably the worst thing you could ask any human being to have to deal with the scene that was in Mitchellstown last Thursday and last Friday. Deeply, deeply upsetting, obviously for the Hennessy family, but also for the officers that had to process and deal with that scene and deal with the various events that occurred as a result of it. Um, I can tell you, again, I don't want to go into any nature, of the, but I can tell you that they're amongst the most severe injuries um, that, that I've dealt with in terms of a general investigation and reporting. Mm. I mean, exceptionally severe injuries to, um, to Willie and to Pa. So, you know, all you can say is that you wish the very best for the officers Indeed. that had to attend that scene. How is Elaine, Paddy's daughter? Because I think she was first at the scene. Does anybody know how she is? Yeah, I think every single member of the family is devastated by this. They're very, very upset. Um, to make matters even worse for this family, and like they really are a lovely family. They're hardworking. They're very tight-knit, valued parts of the community in North Cork. 
to make it even worse, this isn't the first tragedy that they've been asked to deal with. Um, they lost another brother, um, Jer, who would have been a brother to, to Willie Pan. Johnny died in tragic circumstances in 2014. And, of course, a nephew of the brothers, son of one of the brothers, nephew of the other two brothers, uh, died also in very tragic circumstances back in 2012. So it really is, it's an awful situation for the family. All right, Ralph, thank you very much for your time this morning. Ralph Regal, Southern Correspondent of the Irish Independent. Our thoughts very much with the family, with the friends, with the community of that part of North Cork as they come to terms with this unspeakable tragedy. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie Takeover on Corks 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. Take over. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Just a reminder um, before we move on, we're thinking of the families this morning and the thousands of kids going back to school. Is it 300,000 kids going back to school around the country this morning across Cork City and County? The junior and the high babies are going back and is it first and second class going back today? The rest of the primary school is at home for another two weeks and leaving certs going back today and here's hoping it happens without incident and here's hoping that over the next couple of weeks there are no clusters and there are no flare-ups. We really, really hope that. See where the Taoiseach is asking parents, look, it's the most natural thing in the world. Mammies, particularly, because it's they do a lot of the school runs, haven't seen each other since before Christmas and the first temptation is run up to Amy from over the road or run up to, to, to Mary that you haven't seen since and have a coffee and don't do it, says the Taoiseach. Particularly the parents as they drop off kids. The natural thing in the world is to have a chat and meet and engage. We're saying please don't because the success of this depends on really strictly adhering to social distancing, adhering to the, the basic guidelines really that have governed this disease since the beginning because we want to, in the 15th of March, we want to reopen the second half of the primary schools and fifth years at second level. Uh, and the surest way of doing that uh, will be to make sure we keep the numbers down. This really is a case of suck it and see. And if it works out, then the rest, some of the rest of the kids go back to 15th and then the rest of them will be after Easter. But it really is a case of, of suck it and see. The numbers, I don't plan to do them in detail today. I'll do them tomorrow. As I said to you before, I have more data now on a Tuesday that I can play around with. But, but here in Cork, our numbers were great yesterday. We only had 16 new infections yesterday. Our five-day average is now 24. It's up a little bit because we had a blip on Saturday with 30-something infections on Saturday, but just 16 yesterday. And our 14-day average per 100 head of 100k of population 
is 31% of the national figure. So we're rocking it in Cork and let's keep on doing that. 1850715996. Now, those are the kind of comments that I make on this programme every day. And I'm sure I'm not alone in hating where we are. And I'm sure I'm not alone in wanting this to be over. And I'm sure I'm not alone in wanting elements of my life back. But one thing I'm sure is I'm not going to try and get them back by going down into the street and making a total gobshite of myself like people did in Dublin on Saturday afternoon. I was listening to a national radio programme as I do every Saturday lunchtime and there was an announcement made towards the end of it that Gardaí had cordoned off Stephen's Green and asked for it to be shut down and I felt there was trouble a-brewing and I was right. And by four o'clock we'd had a major incident. Uh, Stephen Breen of the Irish Sun has just tweeted this morning the Garda who suffered a broken ankle and a perforated eardrum in the Grafton Street riot is a community policing officer who provided food and medical supplies to vulnerable people in Pierce Street over the past year. He'll now be out of work for a while. Some patriots this lot. Sunday Times had brilliant articles yesterday looking into who exactly was at these marches and who exactly was involved in the rioting. Mark Ty had some of those articles in the Sunday Times yesterday. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Hi. You analysed, you, you, first of all, I think you started watching it on social media at home and then you went in to town for a look. Is that what happened? Yeah, I, I've been looking at these Facebook groups and Telegram uh, groups for some months, you know, kind of the anti-lockdown um, groups in Ireland. You know, there's, there's at least 20 of them, you know, would have over 1,000 members. You know, communities that have over 100,000 mem- members easily. And they've been really growing and doubling in size, some of them, in, in recent weeks. And um, we did a piece in January, you know, going into detail of these, how a lot of them were heavily influenced by conspiracy theories, uh, had, you know, taken on QAnon-type theories, you know, some wild theories. And I was monitoring the Telegram groups on Saturday when the OPW and the guards announced going to Stevens Green for this protest that we wrote about in January. United Tribes, it was called, uh, was scheduled to take place at 2 p.m., and they're broadcasting live themselves from the protesters, you know, the anti-vaccine kind of speeches. And then I heard, you know, the fireworks going on to hear them in the in the audio that was being broadcast on the live streams. And I saw the video footage of the fireworks being shot at the Cardi. So at that point, I went into town on my bike. And um, when I got to Stephen's Green, you know, there was a lot of debris around, um, flyers from the National Party, uh, COVID conspiracy flyers strewed all over the place. Um, I followed the crowd down to the GPO, where there was a, a large party, a kind of a street party at that stage. You know, over a thousand people, uh, the Lewis and all traffic were stopped going northbound um, on, on O'Connell Street. The, the nation's you know, main thoroughfare. Um, outside the GPO, there were people rapping, taking their tops off, smoking be- uh, smoking joints and drinking beer. Um, and, you know, I got to meet and talk to some of these uh, protesters. Yeah. You met, you wrote in the, in the Sunday Times yesterday about... Two women, the the ones with the misspelt sweatshirts, who who told you that, and I'm I'm reading this as mm-hmm. you wrote it, babies being killed and harvested for adrenochrome, which is used to keep RTE celebrities looking young, while the corpses are buried under the new children's hospital. Now, was she taking the Mickey out of you, or had she a straight face on her? No, uh, you know, as I was walking through the crowd, I saw these two women with matching black hoodies, you know, with. Um the, the print on the back said, you know, um, 
RT sold their souls, T-H-E-R-E. Um, and, you know, I had to stop and, you know, I, I asked the lady if I take a picture of their tops and I, they turned around on the front. It said, you know, save our children from the reptilians. And I was like, what, what's this about? Why are you here? And they're happy to be quoted, uh, both from, they were from Swords in North Dublin. Um, with straight face, they were telling me this wild conspiracy theory, uh, which is very much based on a QAnon, you know, Pizzagate theory that, you know, in, in America, the theory goes that, um, you know, there's a pedophile ring, they're, they're harvesting children and babies to get this kind of elixir of youth that Hollywood and the Democrats are using it to help them keep young, stay looking young. And these women were saying this is happening in Ireland and that the Children's Hospital in St. James's, uh, where it's huge, biggest building project in the state, is a, is a mass burial site for missing babies and children. Mm. Completely straight-faced. And they were saying, you have to go on BitChute, which is a, a well-known um, video streaming site that hosts wild conspiracy theories and a lot of right-wing um, so commentators, I said, you know, it's all explained there. And, you know, I was like, my jaw had hit the floor, really, I suppose. And I was with another journalist there, Ronald Creek, from the Irish Times. And we just, you know, oh my God, you know, this, this QAnon stuff has really come to Ireland. These people really believe it. And they're not the only ones, you know, like, like so, some of those protesters there were business people, definitely. Like, I've been contacted mm-hmm. by a few of them since saying, you know, I'm just frustrated. I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But the problem is, I suppose, as you look at this, at any of these Facebook groups, you see some people are just frustrated at the lockdown. You can understand that, but they're quickly swamped by the the wild conspiracy theorists who, are, yeah. you know, believe George Soros and Bill Gates are behind everything. That they're the root of all evil. That it's a pandemic. That uh, the vaccines are designed to put microchips into us that help us track everyone. Um, you know, the, this drive towards a uh, caste society. It's, it's all part of a global conspiracy to track everyone and mm. and to get rid of uh, workers. And it's all part of the grand plot. Yeah. You know. This wasn't a small protest either. I mean, there was bands playing and all that. Yeah, when I was there, and the footage was seen, I think it probably peaked at around 2000. So, like, it was substantial. And you could see on the Telegram groups, people were coming. People were saying, you know, hold on, I'm coming. You know, the coaches are coming. We're getting, we've parked up and we're getting the Lewis into town. So, people are obviously very much breaking their 5K uh, limit rule that's in place at the moment, saying, well, there's someone that knows that that. And, People did come in from you know a, lo- a large number of places. You can see from the uh, the addresses given for the thirteen people that have been charged so far with offences that they came from all around Dublin. Um, you know, no- Tala, uh, North Dublin. Uh, they were all and, and some inner city places as well. But the people who are being charged with uh, those public order offences are all from and around. Yeah. The- you know, north and south Dublin. You know, Mark, I know that so many people, I've spoken to them here, they contact us every day on our various platforms. So many people are sick and tired and roundly fed up of all of this lockdown stuff. So many people's businesses are teetering now on the edge of never opening again. You have to feel for those people. But there's also a much more um, danger, dangerous undercurrent of those people with genuine concerns being sucked into this horrible scenario. Definitely, and and this is a problem. So, like, in the UK, they had this movement going on, the great reopening, trying to get businesses to, to reopen in breach of what the, the lockdown rules are in place at the moment, both in the UK, and, and they, they tried to ape that here. It didn't really happen. We've seen one case, like a beauty salon opening in North Dublin last week, and that's someone, you know, who very much subscribes to some of these conspiracy theories, you know, and she was getting a lot of support, even from a, a Sinn Féin councillor. She's also getting support from people like Ben Gilroy, who would spread a lot of these conspiracy theories online. You know, a well-known 
anti-eviction uh, activist. You know, I've spoken also, to him many times, yeah. Of yeah. course, yeah, but someone who also spreads a lot of wild theories. His, his page is one page, called, he had a page called The Tiger Reborn, spreading a lot of these anti-vaccine messages, uh, conspiracy theories. That was taken down by Facebook, but the other ones have been, have been allowed to flourish. And I see this when telegram groups are set up, you know, saying we, cannot, we should try and organize a reopening among business people. The, these, these people who have genuine concerns and are fear for their business and just are frustrated about their livelihoods being washed away, the, the, the social media groups are quickly swamped by people who are pushing these crazy conspiracy theories. So, and it's just a problem to be like for the, those who are genuinely, um, you know, want to protest on, yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, did you come across people. any people, Mark, who were yeah. just there as ordinary Joe and Mary soaps who were just sick and tired of it all? Well, they, they all were that. Everyone there was sick and tired of it all. I think that's the reason they were there. But the, their beliefs and what they were wanting to happen varied wildly. You know, from the like the National Party people who want to stop all immigration, they were there in, in, in numbers handing out flyers to people who believe 5G is, is, is causing COVID and it's all part of conspiracy. Then there was genuine, yes, genuine people who, who don't subscribe to any of that, that nonsense conspiracy stuff. They were there as well. People were there draped in tricolours, uh, you know, proclaiming themselves to be patriots. There were people giving guards lots of abuse, you know, who were saying the guards were traitors as well. So there was a, a wide variety. But the problem, I suppose, with what happened on Saturday, there was no um, marshalling. You know, if you have a protest, uh, you know, if, if someone's organised a protest in Dublin, usually they'd have marshals to keep out the, the, the troublemakers. And there was no such thing, I think. There was no, none of the organisers, you know, there was a group called Rise Up Ireland who organised a lot of the event. There was no sign of any marshals, you know, trying to keep out the, the, those people who were looking to agitate and cause trouble with the Gardaí. If you took away the loonies and just counted the genuine people who were fed up, who would have outnumbered whom? <laughs> well, this is the problem so when you have these uh, protests that the, the most prominent people carrying the signs um, saying that the vaccines are designed to kill us, they're the, you know, your eye is immediately drawn to them, you know, uh, so they draw the most attention. The people who are throwing things at the guard, firing fireworks, you, you know, they, they, you're immediately, that's where the the, 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 uh, the cameras focus on because, you know, that, that draws your eye. Um, you can see from the poll, the Irish Science did a poll last week saying that 33% of people believe the lockdown measures are too strict. So, you know, there's a sizable amount of the society who, who aren't happy with the rules that are in place. You know, we do have the strictest rules or strictest lockdown uh, across Europe at this point, the, the duration that it's gone on. So mm-hmm. it's inevitable that people are going to be frustrated. But it's, um, and I suppose that that's, that's up to the government to show people that there is a way out, there is hope, and, you know, th- through the vaccine program and the, 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 that measures, that the, it's very restrictive. You know, the civil, people's civil liberties are being affected. There's no doubt about that. You know, Leo Varadkar was talking about this yesterday. It goes against every bone in his body, every political instinct. You know, for him, he's a minister of business and he's ordering businesses to close. It's not natural, but there is a people. So the communication hasn't been great, yeah. And the, the the conspiracy theories have been allowed to flourish on social media. And you know, when I contact Facebook about some of these groups and point out, you know, people are making death threats against Gardaí or politicians or are spreading information which is you know easily checked and verifiably untrue. They take stuff down, but they allow the groups to, to continue to flourish and post up more nonsense. Like since Saturday, they've been posting up um, pictures and graphics show trying to spread a conspiracy theory that the guy who shot the firework directly at Gardaí, that he was a Gardaí or an actor, you know, and this this is flourishing across Facebook and Telegram right now that this, you know, a new a new strain of, uh, a new story to add to conspiracies that are going across these groups. 
Yeah. Okay. Listen, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's Mark. Mark Ty from uh, the Sunday Times of Ireland uh, with some stuff yesterday about who was involved in that anti-lockdown protest at the weekend. Just to, to re- like, these are, what he names one, so I will again. Among the protesters, Erica Parker, a mother of one from Swords, drinking a can of Heineken while holding a flyer from the National Party. Parker and her friends wore black matching hoodies which said, save our children from the reptilians and that RTE have sold their souls. Uh, And it was just, and not to mind the thug who fired uh, a firework at the guards. Now, there is a rumour going around Two rumours, in fact, that there's a plan for a protest in Cork next Saturday. And also there's a plan for something in Cork around St. Patrick's Day, which is two weeks Wednesday. There's a Dublin TD has gone public at the weekend and said, following what happened in Dublin at the weekend, that these two, these two protests should be banned. Finnegale TD for the constituency of Rath Down joins me. Neil, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Shocking scenes Saturday afternoon. Two strong rumours around Cork of something next Saturday and something around St. Patrick's Day. Now, you've been calling for these things to be banned and stopped, but here's the thing, Neil. They are already illegal. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's why more needs to be done. And what we saw on Saturday was a mass super spreader event that went in breach of the COVID guidelines. Now, in fairness to the Gardaí, they were proactive. I would have got complaints on Saturday morning, people wondering why St. Stephen's Green Park was closed, but we now know why quite clearly. But what we need to see leading up to this weekend in Cork and indeed the rumoured events in St. Patrick's Day, I've seen the advertisements on social media. We need to see the Gardaí begin the resources to ensure they can stop people who are outside their 5K if they're on their buses, if they're on the trains, if they're driving into the city centre to be able to stop them, turn around them, detain them as they're entitled to do under the legislation. But they need to have the resources to well, do that. You're, Secondly, you're a member of government, Neil. Mm-hmm. And last week on this programme, I spoke to Antoinette Cunningham of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, who has spent the last three months trying to get a meeting with the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, a member of your party, mm-hmm. and has also... Uh, told me not once but twice on this programme that the government keeps telling them that they're going to bring in all these measures but there are no directives to the Gardaí how to enforce them. If you have that kind of communication or miscommunication between the Department of Justice and the Guards then we're kind of starting we're starting back the field as it were. No, not necessarily. I spoke to Antoinette myself during the week and also Minister McIntyre a couple of times over the weekend and I believe she's due to speak at the AGSI conference in the coming weeks. I think what's clear here is ensuring that the Guardian, the Guardian responsible for uh, liaising with the Justice Minister is of course the Commissioner they've met a couple of times over the weekend that the resources, they speak to the Gardaí on the ground, the inspectors in Cork see what resources they need and that they're provided through, we can move guards around the country Mm. if that's what's necessary and that's what happened in Dublin and a lot of work was done but the second point PJ and it's very important is how these events are being organised and that's the social media platforms and that's why the Tornish just spoke at length yesterday about how the social media platforms need to crack down on these conspiracy groups who are spreading the details of the events, they're advertising them. And the third point, PJ, and this is something I've found coming into my office, and I know speaking to colleagues in Cork, they've had the same. There's a lot of people out there 
no different than anyone who are absolutely fed up and frustrated with the lockdown. As a country, we're all sick of it. But these are good, decent people who said to me, I'm thinking going on my first protest. I'm thinking of going in. I've had enough. Now, when you look at the scene with Grafton Street on Saturday, seeing a protester firing a missile into the face of a guardie, a guardie in hospital now with a broken ankle, another one with a perforated eardrum, those are the sort of people that are involved in the protests. There are far-right conspiracy theorists who are preying on the concerns of vulnerable people. And my message, more importantly, is to the vast, vast majority of good, decent people listening this morning, is to stay away from the protest. Don't let yourself allow it be used. Mm. There are those, and I've spoke, I spoke to two business people uh, last week, both of whom are, are sick and tired of it. Well, one was considering opening and be damned today. I don't think that's going to happen. Another went to international prominence. In fact, even Sky News was talking to Paul Trevode about the fact that you've got to get something done about this until Jul- before July or he's just going to open and be damned then. But you can see how so many business people are uncomfortable and, and are just starting to lose the patience a small bit and ordinary people are starting to lose the patience a small bit and perhaps the communication from government should be better and more reassuring to keep them on side and I I fully empathise we're now a year into COVID restrictions and I feel it in my own work in my own personal life in my own professional life the frustrations I speak with not just business owners but sheer society now I did meet a number of people relieved this morning bringing their children to, to infants in, in primary school. But if we look at the example, I'm sure you would have seen the footage of the of the lady in Balbriggan who last week opened her salon. Now, she was being used by a notorious conspiracy theorist. Let us not mention names or anything here now. But literally just, not mentioning names. Yeah. Um, but they were on camera saying, let yourself get arrested. You know, this is what we want to see. This is your constitutional rights. And I think what there's a there's a room for people to be frustrated, there's room for people to criticise government strategies there's room for people to look for more support for small businesses and particularly those businesses that don't necessarily have a rateable premises but there's a big leap then to being allowing yourself to be used by the conspiracy theorists and the extremists who are trying to put out absolute mis and disinformation Okay, leave it there, thank you very much that's uh, Fine Gael TD uh, for for, um, Dublin Rathdown uh, Neil Richmond, 1850-715-996. John says these protests were inevitable because of the way the government is behaving. This has to be the last lockdown. I might be unpopular for saying this, but I'd be okay with the lockdown going on till April or a bit longer, but only once it is the last one. You can't keep a lid on the pressures building up. I want to say I abhor the violence. I'd be slow to ban protests, though. It's a way of releasing the pressure, but it should be done responsibly with hygiene and non-violence. And the government should cop on and plan out the future properly. John, the problem with all protests, no matter what they are, whether they're this or that or the other, they're, they're not permitted at the moment under level five restrictions. We can't gather in numbers like that. that we're gathered. So the protests themselves are illegal at the moment, regardless of what happens at them. Um, and unfortunately, we've been through this over the last few months, the only people that can be really charged are the organisers. But you can find them. And presumably we'll know who organised the ones on Saturday. And I hope that the book, not just the book, but the whole bookcase is thrown at the thugs that were involved on Saturday. I'm hearing, I'm seeing in one of the newspapers this morning that these, one of them was a dentist, the other was a plumber, uh, who appeared in court 
over the weekend. So they're professional people. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not the work shy. They're not the can't work, won't work brigade, as someone was claiming at the weekend. These are professionals. And they've been taken in to this horrible vortex of the far right and, and, the, and the loony right and conspiracy theorists and all this old nonsense that is doing far more harm than good. Great to see people taking back their lives. If there were no lockdowns, there'd be no protests. Let's hope for a big one in Cork, just a dry run for Paddy's day. Well, whoever you are, you're part of the problem. I made this point on Twitter last night, and some people just don't get it. There was talk on Saturday about whether it was far right or far left, and we know, no, it was it was far right. And the guy, the commissioner, came out yesterday and clarified there was no far left involved. But I made a point last night on Twitter, and I stand over this, and I'll argue it with anybody. I don't care if it's far right. I don't care if it's far left. I don't care what your politics are, or none. Obviously, the far right is a huge problem in this country. Massive problem. And watching it grow, my blocking finger on Facebook, on Twitter has flipping arthritis in it at this stage from blocking these lunatics. And they seem to be breeding them like in an anthill. They're coming from everywhere. I don't care whether you're right or left. If you were stuck in that on Saturday, you're part of the problem. It was a gorgeous day yesterday. And in the midst of it, unfortunately, people landed into trouble uh, down around Gailene Way or down around Inch Beach Gailene Coast Guard had to go to the rescue we had four swimmers rescued from Inch Beach over the weekend Fergus Wall is officer in charge at Gailene Coast Guard Service it was Saturday when this happened Fergus I believe good morning to you Good morning, PJ. Yeah, that's correct. It's around um, 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. We received a call to say that there was three or four people in trouble in the water. Um, no, I live close to the beach, so when I arrived down, you could see there was three or four people over ex- uh, to the extreme left on the beach. And um, there were surfers further out, but I don't think they realised that the people were in trouble, you know. Mm. Um, no, there were people on the shoreline, obviously, had raised the alarm. And they, they were on their way over the rock the rocks to with life buys um to try and get to the people. Now one girl there was there was two adults and two two girls and eleven and twelve year old girls. So one of the girls actually made it ashore herself. Um two, uh, one of the other another girl uh was rescued by a, a, a swimmer that was out on his own for his daily swim and uh, he brought her ashore. Um she was the only girl wearing a short um, dry suit, or wet suit, rather. Um, the others were just in in, uh, in swimsuits. Mm. And um, at this stage, uh, that, that that swimmer actually took a life ring off one of the members of the public on the rocks and brought it out to one of the adults. Mm. And the combined effort, they brought, they brought her ashore. Now, um, they, they got so, caught in a, in, a, in a rip current. One of the things that's, that's really taken off in, in the course of the pandemic and that various lockdowns, Fergus, is, is sea swimming. Huge numbers of people swimming in the sea. And as the sun comes out, more people will try it. And it's dangerous still. It's a very dangerous time of the year with changes in the current. Yes, it's a very dangerous time of the year. And also, 
the water is still very cold, you know. Yeah, extremely it's, cold. It's only about eight, 8 degrees. But Inch Beach, at the best of times, can be dangerous. Well, it's a lovely area. Mm. Um, it's very popular for swimming, but it can be very dangerous. Um, it was the second such incident on, on the beach on Saturday. Mm. Um, explain, to, explain to listeners what a riptide is, because until you've actually seen one, or mm. were still felt one and had to get away from it, it's, yeah. it's, what it's, is it? it? I suppose it's it's a channel of water trying to make its way out against the tide, you know, and um, it's 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 actually stronger than the than the, than the tide coming in than than the, than the waves coming in. So and it doesn't help it in Inch Bay in that you have a river on either side of the beach. Yes. So with if you have the river and a, and the current channel of water heading out, you know it will take it very fast outwards, and um, you will travel you know very very fast in, in that channel of water. And um, you don't realise it until you, you know, put your feet down and you, you realise you your depth, yeah. you know. And the um, water is cold and you lose very, your breath. It's very cold and as yeah. I say, they didn't have any wetsuits on. There was only one person who had a, a short wetsuit. Um, the other said a baby a swimming tug. So, um, you know, they weren't going to last long in the water. Um, you no, know, when we got them ashore, they were very, very um, cold, extremely cold. Mm. And... Uh, extremely shocked as well by the whole experience of it, you know. Yeah. Um, the 11-year-old, she was the last to be brought in and um, she was, you know, I was worried about her. But um, with the help of people on sh- ashore, you know, uh, we got them into the Coast Guard Jeep and um, that we uh, there were four females, obviously, so we had to get with the COVID restrictions on all that. With my own members and members of the public, we managed to dry them down and um, make them as safe as possible and, and kept them um, coherent, you know? Yeah. Until, until the paramedics arrived, you know? The, the surfers, I think, turned and came in knowing they were headed in for danger to see could they help. Yes, yes. And and the surfers have saved so many people in Inch Bay over the, over the last few years, you know? They're, they're the unsung heroes, really, because they save people every week and they don't, you know, they're not on the radio about it, you know? Um, so really, they're the unsung heroes and, and, and the members of the public. But, you know, there's always suffers in Inch Bay and it can be very dangerous. And, you know, there was big waves there. Obviously, when the suffers were there, it means that there's waves there. And um, you are going to have rip crumbs, you know. There's a rip crumbs in Inch Bay every day of the week, you know. Yeah, yeah. OK, what's your advice, Fergus, as the weather hopefully improves a little bit over the weeks to come uh, and people are going to try this new craze of sea swimming, what is your advice? Well, self-education, you know, to educate yourself of the, of the cold of the water, what a rip current is, what it looks like, um, I suppose, suit up properly, you know, headgear and, and, and a wetsuit will do an awful lot for you, you know, if you do get into trouble. Um, if you if you do find yourself in a, caught in a, in, a, in a rip current, just swim parallel to the shore, you won't be able to swim against it. Mm. It's too strong, it'll beat you. And um, it'll get the better of you. Just swim parallel to the shore. Raise the alarm as well. You know that's as much that's your initial response. Is yeah. Raise the alarm. Let people know that you're in trouble. Yeah. You and, know. And never go alone. Never go alone. You know. Um, and you know, Inch Bay is is very very popular for swimmers. And I I do believe the Cork County Council. You know, if this beach was down in West Cork, I feel it would. You know, it would be we would have a lifeguard. We would have better signage. We would have more life lives. But because it's in East Cork, I don't feel that we're getting the same um, services that it, uh, that other beaches get. 
All right, Fergus, thank you for that. That's Fergus Wall, officer in charge of the Guileen Coast Guard Unit. Inch, beautiful, beautiful beach. Beautiful, beautiful beach, but dangerous. Always had that reputation. Loved it as a kid. We used to go down there. Uh, Inch, Gary DC, Cork gen- in general has some beautiful beaches. But Inch was always known as being just that little bit risky. Uh, and you'd, uh, The sea swimming thing, I can't wait to get back in the sea. But I ain't going near it until it's a small bit warmer. I'm not like... The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. About an hour now into the school day, the new school day with the juniors and senior infants gone back and the first and second classes gone back and the leaving certs gone back. In this particular tranche, there's another word I hate using, but still used from time to time. So I wonder what you've been doing with that hour and how you've been feeling during that hour. Like, were you desperately worried about them going in? How were they feeling? Some lovely tweets about little kids, just this smile that's brighter than the sun and the kids going in the front door of the school. PJ, what do they need to be hugging the other mothers at the school for? Don't they spend all day talking to them on Bookface? This is about the Taoiseach asking parents not to be... Reunify, you know, reuniting with their friends, as it were, at the front of the school. Don't be, it's the most natural thing in the world, said the Taoiseach, but please don't be doing it. Don't be running off with Aileen and Mary and, and don't be running off with Jerry and Pat because you haven't seen them since before Christmas. Don't be running off for coffee with them. That's not what you do now. Drop the child and go home because we can't be doing this socialising at the school gate. Senior infant was wearing to go Two fifth-class boys smiling and ready to wave him off, says Thomas. Uh, Damien, 50% back, 50% happy, 100% of me happy, as there's only a fifth year who's not going. Vanessa, we've just done the school run, decided on a walk and bring the dog, who decided she wasn't leaving the school gate after the daughter went in. Guess I'll be dealing with an emotional dog until school is over. Uh, C, Scully, if one heading back, first class, all excited. School's been fantastic throughout Another not back till 12th of April. That's a first year. Jude, sitting in bed waiting for PJ in peace. <laughs> two down and two to go. Had a second class and leaving cert back today. I get an hour for myself and me ears. And Stephen Teep has tweeted, definitely a bit of an eerie feel this morning, sending my kids back out in a global pandemic. But they were very excited to be back to school and to see their friends. Best of luck to all the teachers, pupils and, of course, parents this morning. Now, Sissy... What to do with my freedom? Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Actually, if there is something lovely that you've decided to do this morning with your freedom on your own and within restrictions, I'd love to hear it. I will tell you later the two things I did yesterday that COVID can't take from me in a million years, and it feels good. Little things. I'll tell you later. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Interesting over the last few weeks to read about applications for divorce which apparently have skyrocketed during the pandemic. Now I suppose being being shut up in your house with your spouse for a lot longer than you normally would spend together if there are any cracks in the relationship one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to go from cracks to crevices to crevasses or you're going to fix those cracks and patch them up you could get something in between but apparently 
divorce lawyers are inundated with people who say they're at their end of their tether and they want a divorce and they want to start the proceedings. How do they go about it? I'm joined by Karen Tobin, who's a divorce family lawyer with Coman Kelleher Tobin. Karen, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking our call. We're yes, saying that we're seeing that interest in divorce is up two hundred percent. That's your experience. Well, there's no doubt that there's definitely an increase in people seeking advice for divorces. It's it's a very stressful time for people. They're trying to juggle working from home, homeschooling, parenting. It's an unnatural environment and is putting a strain on relationships without a doubt. Yeah. If there were strains there before. You either have to work to fix them or, or they'll get on top of you. Living on top of one another, I suppose, when you normally would have a routine like going to work or going out in and out, it doesn't help. But are there new triggers emerging? Well, I suppose the category, the most vulnerable category of people are people who are in abusive relationships. Yeah. Prior to the pandemic, people had the escape of going to work, social outings. Children had the escape of going to school, sports, play dates. Now, there are none of these, and these relationships are exasperated. It has had a huge impact on people's mental health. Because yeah. there are also the financial triggers. I mean, people who have had businesses have closed down, they may ne- never reopen. There's a reduced income, people on the COVID payments. And this puts a strain on the, the family budget, and inevitably, a strain on relationships. Yeah. So, you can link an awful lot of it back to the to the pandemic. What is the wait time? If someone comes to see you or sees you on Zoom or whatever it is today and say they want a divorce, how long does it take to get the ball rolling, as it were? Well, you can get the ball rolling straight away. I mean, you know, once you make the contact with family law solicitor and have made that decision that you the marriage is over. And I suppose at this point, I should say that it's a decision that's not made lightly. They have to contact a divorce solicitor who's a complete stranger and lay bare the most intimate details. So it can be started straight away. But if you're asking about a wait time with regard to court, you're talking 12 to 18 months. But not all cases proceed to court and they can settle by way of an agreement. So it's important to get the ball rolling and see if you can progress it by way of agreement. That's in everybody's best interest. Yeah, but try and try... Make it make the the least nastiness, I suppose. The, the, the better. Is it an expensive process still? Well, if again, if you settle your case by way of an agreement, that keeps costs down, the financial and emotional costs down, without a doubt. If a mm. case has to be litigated through the courts, then the costs will increase. Yeah. Unfortunately, some cases do have to be litigated, but the majority of them, there is an option to settle them and they should be resolved as as early a stage as possible. Is there a ballpark that you would kind of be expected to be prepared to spend? I couldn't. Everybody's case is different. different. It depends on the individual case. And you'll be able to give that ballpark, you know, after after initial consultation once you have all of the facts in front of you. Is Is it things like an affair or is it, like you said, domestic abuse, cruelty, or is it just diff- what what are the things that come say to your desk most frequently as the trigger for a divorce well it can be any of them marriages sometimes break down because of an extramarital affair domestic violence addiction issues mental health issues 
sometimes the marriage just isn't working and there's no, there doesn't need to be a reason. It has just broken down and the parties can't continue. And what kind of things do people look for in, in a settlement? Um, you know, is it is it assets? Is it about who owns what? Well, people have to take... The, the courts have to take into account the children. They're the first priority. Yeah. And yeah. um, base custody and access arrangements will have to be put in place. Maintenance for the children, sometimes maintenance for a spouse. The accommodation needs of the parties. There'll be two separate households now with two separate incomes. Um, and then there's the legal requirements that have to be satisfied. You know, the court has to be, you have to be living apart for two years before you can apply for a divorce. That doesn't mean physically, you know, you could, you, that you have to be in two separate houses. But you must be not be living as man and wife for two years. And I suppose if you don't satisfy that time period as well, it's important to say that people have other remedies available to them by way of a legal separation. Yeah. Um, you must be able to satisfy the court that there's no prospect of reconciliation and proper provision must be made for the parties. They, they're the legislative requirements. Yeah. There's a, a stereotype out there as well that you know, people wait until the kids have grown up a bit before divorcing. How often do you see that or do you see it? It's not generally my experience. Whilst, you know, all parents will want to provide a secure and family unit for the children, it's not always practical and sometimes it's just not the right thing, PJ, for a marriage to continue. Yeah. You know? Just things come to an end and, and, and that's it. That's it, and it, it may not be the best for children to be living in a hostile environment, you know, mm. with two people who who can't live with each other anymore. Yeah, that must be, just come back briefly to that, that thing about living apart in the same house, that, that must be extraordinarily difficult if you have a couple of kids. It's, certainly, it must be very difficult, and people will, you know, what you have to satisfy is that you're not living as man and wife. I see. So, you know, in front of children, you know, it'll be quite obvious if there's separate bedrooms, separate eating times, yeah. people doing, you know, living very separate lives under the one roof. It's not good for anybody's mental yeah. health. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's unfortunate when it, when it comes to that. We've, Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've had divorce here since, God, I don't remember when it was passed now. 96. 1996. Uh, yeah. And it, it wasn't a huge... The numbers of it weren't huge, but they seem to be going up. Uh, and the pandemic definitely seems to have something to do with it. Absolutely. All There's right. no doubt. All no right. doubt about that. All right, Karen, thank you very much for that. Karen Tobin, she's a family lawyer uh, dealing in divorce at Common Kelleher Tobin. 1850-715-996. And you, know, you can joke about it all you want. Like <laughs> Meg says, thank God for the change to 12-hour shifts for himself. I'd have him killed. But I guess if you are trapped in it at this stage, everyone's got their moments. We all have our rows. God, there were days I know that she wants to cleave the back off me head with the nearest sharp object. Just, but she doesn't. The miracle of miracles. But you know what? At the end of the day, if if you're in trouble, you're in trouble. And reach out and seek a solicitor. 1850-715-996. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, till death to us part is gone to the landfill. See, it didn't work out that way for so many people. So many people lived in horrible situations for years. 
Their lives were destroyed by a marriage that should never have happened. I knew them myself. Lives ruined. Children's lives ruined by a marriage that should never have happened. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Back at it and in for Monday and I've got everything you need on the radio to help with skew through your afternoon. All your favourite tunes from midday on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Cork's 96FM. Akim has been listening to our conversation on divorce. Hi, Akim. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? What would you like to say? Very well, thank you. Uh, you have a fantastic topic today. I really love today's topic. You're thank doing you. very well. I must commend you. So one of the reasons why uh, marriages are breaking down in Ireland is that most couples are not ready for marriage. They just think marriage is only cosmetic. Another thing is that we have to learn to forgive each other. Yeah. Marriage is a ministry of where you, I will offend you, you offend me. We have to learn to, to let go. And another question is, why are Irish men going for Filipino, Africans, uh, Indian? That, that's a good question that we should ask. Yeah. Very, very important. If you look at old couples in Ireland, they are all they are together they love each other and they are doing well if you see them you jealous them positively but it's because they know the the value of marriage but people kind of marry whoever they want to be with don't they akim say that again people marry whoever they want to marry really at the end of the day of course you can marry whoever you want to marry but the question is we have to look at the trend in irish society why a lot of men are not marrying irish women a lot? I wouldn't have said a lot. Why do you? Why, but why do you? Regardless, anyway, why do you think that is? Because I I know what's going on in the in Irish society. What is going if you, on? If you, if you check properly, you see that most Irish, some Irish men, prefer to marry people from outside Ireland. Of but, course, they have a choice to marry whoever they, they want. But, but, but why is that? Why is that? Why do they want to marry marry women from outside? It's an interesting point that you make. Irish women, I've met a fantastic Irish women, lovely, but some of them are not really respecting the marriage. Men have their problems as well. Women have our problems as well. Right. Okay. So, but most of them are not really prepared for what marriage entails. Okay. They are not ready. It, it goes beyond cosmetics, going for wedding, eating dinner. Marriage has to do with a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. A lot of uh, communication together. Show okay. love. I'm going to offend you. You're going to offend me. We have to let go. Yeah. And because of our children, it's very, very important. Whatever that transpired. Okay. All right. Interesting. A lot of our w- female listeners would probably dis- disagree with you, Akim, with regard to what you think Irish women think of marriage. But it's a valid... Listen, it's a good call. Interesting point. He He notices that a lot of Irish men are marrying foreign 
women, and he thinks it's because Irish women don't place the same value in marriage. I think a lot of people would disagree furiously with him, but hey, listen, that's what it's about. 1850-715-996. The big story, of course, in the business news this morning is the Bank of Ireland decision to close, I think, the 80-odd branches. They've just published a list of the branches that are closing. And just here they are in Cork. Uh, Cork Institute Technology, Glenmire, Bantry, Cove, Dunmanway, Kenturk, Mill Street, Mitchellstown and Yall. Just repeat those. Those are the Bank of Ireland branches that will close apparently before the end of the year. Uh, they will be CIT, Glenmire, Bantry, Cove, Dunmanway, Kenturk, Mill Street, Mitchellstown and Yall. No doubt more on that as we go through the day. 1857-15996. There was a news briefing this morning uh, one of the stories we've been following since the very early days uh, of 2021, and I think it actually happened before Christmas, was the discovery of skeletal remains near Middleton. It actually was the 5th of January. The 5th of January they were they were discovered near Middleton. And for the last few weeks, Gadi have been trying to figure out exactly whose remains they are and, and where they go from here. Um, there was a briefing this morning outside Middleton Garda Station at half past nine and our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran was there. Fiona, do we know yet who this is, the person whose body was found? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. No, um, Superintendent Adrian Gamble gave us that media briefing outside Middleton Garda Station this morning and he said that at this stage DNA samples have been compared against the National DNA database and no positive match has been obtained and they've also done a thorough examination of the missing persons records and they haven't been able to identify any potential matches at this time. Now what they could tell us from the results of the post-mortem is that um, it is a woman and that she's in her 70s and I think you might have a clip of that um, if you want to just play that of Adrian Gamble. The remains are of a female, 70 plus years old at the time of death, 5 foot to 5 foot 2 in height, large framed, wore dentures and suffered from arthritis. At the time and during the course of the search, the document that you have with you, the deceased was wearing white faded garment similar to a nightdress type garment on the upper part. That's all part of your media briefing pack, so you have that photograph. They've given no definitive, or are they able to give a cause of death, Fiona? No, they're not able to give that at this stage. Now, he did say that it is still very early in the investigation. And just, you know, they have, uh, the scene was was um, examined by forensic anthropologists, guard the scenes of crimes investigators. Um, they have um, done house-to-house inquiries. Um, they've um, been liaising with the Guard the National Missing Persons Unit. Um, they've been um, using carbon dating. Um, but at this stage, they haven't been able to say whether or not this person maybe went missing themselves and got lost and um, or whether they were murdered 
And he did say now at this stage that it is a criminal investigation, but because it is so early um, in the investigation, they haven't been able to identify how this person got there or what happened to them to cause their death. Now, he said to us, I asked him how long the remains had been there before they were found. And he said that, again, they couldn't give a definite time as to how long they were there. But um, it looks at this stage that it's sometime in the last 10 years. Now, whether the person... Uh, was deceased in uh, for that length of time or whether the bones had been buried for that length of time they, they're not clear but they reckon that the bones have been there for 10 years uh, or within the last 10 years um, now we know that it is an area that's known locally as the tipping point and it's off the shanty path at Roxborough just outside Middleton and it is quite a, a rural area and it would be very known to local people rather than people from outside of this area um, but they have been liaising with a lot of families of missing people from this area so they're trying to maybe widen it a little bit mm-hmm. um, in the, you know that it may have been somebody from outside of this East Cork area or even from outside of Cork, County Cork and I suppose that's why they're um, making this appeal here today in the hope that um, something might spark something in somebody. Um, now, they did release an image of an item of clothing that was found at the scene. It was a white nightdress with some buttons on it. And I have forwarded that uh, image to Terry and Fergal, and they might be able to circulate it on Twitter. And I've put it up on Twitter as well. Okay. Um, I, and they're, they're just hoping that it might jog something in somebody's memory. Um, you know, because it is very unusual that somebody would go missing like that and not be reported or, sure. you know. Um, so there is an appeal. I think you have a clip I of do. Adrian Gamble making that appeal there as well, I PJ. Do indeed, Fiona. Yeah. So the message here today, folks, is that someone in the community must know how the female skeletal remains came to be at this locally known tipping point off the shanty path of Roxborough, Middleton County Cork. And Garda Sheikhan are determined to formally identify deceased and treat her with the respect and dignity that she deserves. We need to provide closure for a family that, at this early stage, remain unknown and ensure that the remains are brought to a final resting place. If you have any information, no matter how insignificant you may believe it to be, I'm asking that you would please come forward and contact the Garden National Confidential Line on 1800 666 Middleton Garda Station on 021 462 or any Garda station. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it, Fiona? That the more we learn, the less we know. Yes, and PJ, at the time when this story broke, um, that the bones were found back in January um, on that construction site on the Middleton to Yall Greenway, a lot of people... Um, I suppose, jumped to conclusions and thought that this was missing your woman, Tina Satchwell. But, um, life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Adrian, Superintendent Adrian Gamble did say here today that they're satisfied that it's not Tina Satchwell and that it's not any high-profile missing persons case that we've had here in Cork in the last, in recent years. Um, so it is just, it's a very unusual case. Um, we don't know as well whether the bones were, um, whether the person was buried there or whether they had been dumped there by somebody because it is known as the tipping point. Um, so if anybody has any kind of information at all that might help guide the bring this case to a conclusion um, you know to contact Middleton Guards or um, the Guard the Confidential line mm. because you know as you said there it's just it's so unusual for somebody to go missing like that and for uh, no record of them and, and for nobody to come forward at this point now they have spoken to the families of missing people um, from this area and again like there has been no positive match so yeah. it's one that has baffled Gardaí as well as they said she the wore dentures do they know whether she had them at the time um, he didn't actually say um, I, I'm not sure if, if part of the dentures were actually discovered or because um, um, it was a skull that was found yeah. So um, and they believed that she was large framed and that she suffered from arthritis um, yeah. so yeah it's, it's an incredible it's, mystery it is isn't it's, it it's like, I, suppose... I don't wish to minimise it at all but it's like the plot of a television show it is. who is this <laughs> is poor Peter. woman I know, it really is. And I think when the bones were found first, obviously any family who has a person who was missing was was hoping that it would be their loved one. Uh, Because, you know, I suppose for any missing person's case, for the family, it's that not knowing and there's no conclusion to the case. It's very difficult for them to deal with. But, you know, for anybody who was hoping that these bones would be their person, um, it's, you know it leaves them with the, the the case still unknown for them and Indeed. but there is a family out there who have somebody missing that you know that these bones could belong to so they're hoping Gardy were hoping now today that um that that this appeal today might be able to to get some more okay. information like they have done house to house inquiries around the area as well yeah. and you know they haven't got any further in the investigation from that either. So, okay. if anybody knows anything at all, um, you know, just contact RD and let them know. Okay, thank you, Fiona, for that. That's the latest update from uh, West or from East Cork, where those bones were found on the fifth of January near Middleton. Now believed to be those of a woman in her seventies, uh, there for around ten years. They've searched. DNA database found nobody. They've searched known missing persons cases and found nobody. They are at a loss to know who this misfortunate woman is. She was wearing what they think to be a nightdress. We've retweeted that picture now of what she was wearing in the hope it would jog somebody's memory. She wore dentures. Now, maybe I've been watching too much television, but if she had the dentures in... You can trace dentures back to the lab in which they were made. 
But then again, maybe we, maybe she didn't have them in. It's a mystery. It really is a mystery. But you know what? Whoever she was, somebody loved her. Somebody misses her. First thought I'm thinking is, could she also could she have been someone who was not Irish at all? So she's not on our database. Could she from could she be an international missing person? Could she be someone who came here from Britain or from America or from the Europe and and went missing and never went home? It's a real mystery as to who she is, but she's still unidentified. Her death is still being treated as suspicious. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, some more comments coming in on divorce. I'll get to them in a while and we have a lengthy comment on what happened in Dublin at the weekend and the sincere hope that it doesn't happen in Cork this weekend coming the best way to ensure it doesn't happen in Cork this weekend coming is to completely ignore it and not to go in there if you know just don't go in there but you can't trust people to be that wise either 1850-715-996 the silly heads I, I interviewed I think Daniel uh, when the silly heads was set up, uh, I, I think we did have a chat uh, back in the day, Daniel, didn't we? Good morning to you. Yeah, well, good morning, uh, PJ. How are you? We did have a chat back in the day, and just for the, the benefit of your viewers, uh, my name is Dan. I am fifty percent of the silly heads, and I'm Mike. I'm the other fifty percent of the silly heads. PJ, uh, thanks a lot for having us. Good morning to you both, guys. And I know you're you're sharing a phone there, so we'll do the best that we can. Remind us again how it came about, Dan. Yeah, the Silly Heads concept came about PJ um, in 2018. It was basically a, a, a personal kind of story through mental health, uh, both mental health difficulties and mental health wins. I think people forget about the wins in mental health, but it came about as a way of just telling a very personal story uh, in a different way, in a, in a much more engaging way, in a more colourful way. Um, just bringing a bit of a bit of life to, to kind of the way we tell stories and the way we advocate for mental health. Yeah. Like, your own experience was what brought you into it. And, and Mike, the same with you, was it? Um, well, to be honest with you, it started a little bit differently for um, for the two of us. For Dan, it was his own story. And then he kind of worked outward, whereas for me, it was always, it was always helping others. And I knew what kind of, um, you know, um, effects mental health illness um can have on 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 some people and then um throughout the process um i've been in very difficult um situations myself um i actually lost my uh, beloved wife last year so basically heads now is helping me i feel a lot more than um i'm helping others that's that's just my my yeah. feeling at the moment well, to be my, honest. My, my condolences to you uh, lisa was her name wasn't it i think lisa was her name Peter, and, um, to be honest with you, I never thank you in person, but I still remember your phone call to um, the place where Lisa used to work, um, the hospital in Glamire, and um, I was listening to, to the chat and hearing how much she was loved by, by, by everyone, by uh, the staff, customers, um, <laughs> even cats. Um, was very, very comforting for me um, at that moment. 
So okay. um, I just want to use this opportunity now to, to thank you for that. Okay, okay, okay. Dan, you're you're an online you're you're an online business, as it were, now, and but you're getting involved in local enterprise week in a big way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, PJ, like the local enterprise office here in Cork have been absolutely amazing with uh, supporting us and our movement and what we're trying to do. And I suppose like a lot of businesses, we've had to move online. Initially, a part of what we do in our movement is delivering workshops. Um, our workshop is called Stigma is Silly. It's based around the concept of visual mental health advocacy, which is a new uh, kind of concept that we've developed um, in line with traditional ways of advocating for mental health. And uh, now that workshop is delivered online. So um, with Local Enterprise Week starting today, right up until uh, Friday, uh, we'll be delivering that workshop on Thursday the 4th at 1pm. And it's a free event. Um, um, and it's highly engaging. It's very educational. And um, we're just so thankful and grateful for the support. Yeah. We've talked a lot about mental health over the course of, of the pandemic, Dan. And... It, it, it's a whole spectrum, isn't it? It's it's people who are in a really dark place, and and this is just making them worse. And and they're struggling to get out of bed. They're struggling to breathe. And then the other end of the spectrum is people who normally trot along gamely, doing just fine, but they've gone flat. They've lost their buzz. They've lost their they've, they've lost their reason, if you want. Uh, and and they look out at something like a beautiful sunny day yesterday and they go, ah, Jesus, why bother? Mm. And it's a whole big spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, it's... The the thing I I think to realise about, uh, you know, mental health, first of all, I think people slightly get confused at times, you know, mental health and mental illness are two different things. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we all have a state of mental health like we all have a state of physical health. You know, some people are very fit physically, um, like myself, not so fit, unfortunately. But, you know, there is a huge, huge spectrum of uh, the variations of, you know, mental health and mental illness. And it's very it's very particular for an individual. Like, you know, my experiences and the way I think and uh, I suppose the way I manage my mental health is completely different to somebody else. Mm. Uh, and I think that's very important to note is that everybody experiences things differently. Uh, if it's say anxiety, everyone you know experiences and and lives with it differently, or not lives with it. You know, it depends on the person. So it's important to note that that it's it's such uh, it's so wide ranging. Uh, and I think just to be conscious of that is you know is a step in the right direction. Emotional well being is probably a phrase that covers everything. Mm. And and in the middle of a, of a difficult time like this, for, for everybody, there are those of us, the lucky ones, who still have our jobs and still, still go out and live relatively normally. And then there are those who've lost everything. Emotional well-being and how to mind your emotional well-being is a skill that we, could, we can learn, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I suppose this phrase, emotional well-being or emotional intelligence, uh, sometimes it's called, is... Um, I know it's starting to kind of make its way into into schools, and it's just unbelievably beneficial. It's 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 in a nutshell recognizing, uh, you know, what emotions you're you're feeling at a particular time. You know, whether that's sadness or happiness, whatever it might be. But learning to connect with what you're feeling and not being ashamed to kind of go with that. You know, um, we often say hey, we're two guys with a walk around with bobble hats and beards, and we've often had a cry. So, like, you know, yeah. it's about 
it's about understanding there's no shame around that and that's a very natural part of uh, being a human being uh, and, and that's what we're trying to do. And if I may add something for yes. for, for all the listen, uh, listeners, obviously emotional well-being, as, as Dan said, is so important and everyone is different. And just to touch on the fact that everyone is different, on our website, um, com, we have uh, various support, but we also have section that we call expert head. And it's a section that um, experts with um, expertise in certain um, certain fields um, can give tips and aid people on what to do to look after their well-being, whether it's um, crochet, nutrition, psychology, um, you name it. We are very conscious that, uh, you know, everyone, um, different things are appealing to different people. So different people can f- find a v- variety of different things that can help them on, on our website in that particular section. Okay. www.sillyheads.com Dot com is where you'll find everything and good luck when it comes how can people get involved in your local enterprise event Daniel yeah look very simply actually um, on our Instagram page that's silly heads and that is the way we say day in Cork D-A mm. traditional da so we're very true to where, where it all started the silly heads on Instagram we've got a link actually there in our bio people can go straight in and uh, and uh, go straight to the event on Thursday um, it is filling up uh, it's probably nearly there so I would advise people to do that straight away and the local enterprise office website as well you, you, it's 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 there it's all clear and a, a few clicks and they'll be into all the free events for the week great all right listen good luck with it guys and and uh, thanks for being with us today that's the silly heads dan and mike their website is the and they're on instagram and they've both been through it uh, mentally over the last number of years, particularly uh, poor old Mike in the last year with the loss of his lovely wife, uh, Liesl. Um, and they're involved in Local Enterprise Week. And the emotion, I, I tell you something. I, I've been promising to tell you the two things that I did yesterday that made me, well, three things actually, that made me really happy. And they were taking such joy from simple things. And I'm. we've been talking over the last few weeks a lot about the people who were just a bit flat you know, people who are normally, we're grand. We get along just fine. We trot along and nothing really bothers us too much. But we've been feeling a bit flat of late. Uh, and uh, two or three things I did yesterday that uh, just, I had my happiest day in a long time yesterday. Yes, I did. 1850-715. Not that I'm unhappy most of the time. Do you know what I mean? But yesterday was a great, great day. 1850-715-996. Just on the lockdown demos and stuff like that. Those guys who were arrested, the people who were attacking guards are insulting frontline workers, saying the pandemic is not real and they're lying about treating sick people. Well, they should be put on a list and they shouldn't get any hospital treatment if they need it. I think this mightn't be possible, of course, as it stands, but the law could be changed and I think it should. If you're blackguarding society to that extent at a time of crisis when everyone else is trying so hard, you don't deserve the support of society. It's that simple. TD from Dublin you had on earlier and the reporter were both great. I believe in protests, said this call, but I'll tell you where they should be demonstrating. All the ports and airports and the main border crossings because that's the reason we keep on getting reinfected. Well, certainly the debacle that is mandatory quarantine is not helping anybody at all. 
the hames they're making of it at the moment. An absolute out-and-out hames of mandatory quarantine. They're half doing it. And then the other night, Stephen Donnelly announces another, is it 13 or 14 countries to be added to the list? And guess what, lads? None of them have direct flights to Ireland. Like, that's about as useful as a chocolate fire guard. But that's why people are getting annoyed. Mandatory quarantine looks like being a, a joke. 1850-715-996 and the argument at the border doesn't, doesn't work at all. Do it for Cork, Dublin and Shannon. Control what you can. But they're not. You'd have to, I have to wonder, who are they afraid to offend by doing proper mandatory quarantine? Who are they afraid to offend? Good question, isn't it? I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I'll be there on Saturday because I want my child to have a future in this country. The government have used COVID as a Trojan horse to destroy small business, our culture and social fabric. I... I... Oh, you only have... Okay, I'll come back to that because I want to go to something far more important. Far more important. Um... Around, it's over four years ago, it's coming, is it four years ago? Coming up for four years ago now, I interviewed one of the most impressive people that I've ever spoken to on this programme. And that was Amy Barrett. Yes, there was like, it was violent, it was terrible, evil what he did, but he's still dead. You talked about faith and your own faith. Yeah. Um, With faith, we're taught to forgive. Can you forgive ever? I'm not there yet. I'm not at the forgiving stage. Mm. You know, this thing with abuse, it kind of takes you through different stages. You go through like anger, you go through hurt, you go through depression. You know, there's just, and it can bounce back and forth. Now, that's Amy Barrett speaking to me in November 2017. How are you today, Amy? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks. I'm good. Good, good. That was nearly four years ago now. And I think that after we did that interview, which was after your dad had been jailed um, for 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 abuse, um, he got he got ten years. After that, you struggled a lot because the support that you spoke about in that interview with me, it just seemed to fall away, did it? It did, and that's why I suppose you know. First thing was first, I had to take care of myself. You know, I'm in a much better place now, and just listening to that recording there of me speaking about I wasn't in that place to forgive so much has changed for me since you know whereas now it's totally different now I am now I'm ready to forgive and it just goes to show I suppose the process of healing that it's just and it can be different for everyone like you know sometimes it could take much longer for other people but I suppose for me that's where I'm at now yeah how have you how has it been to get to that point um, a shaky road, I suppose is the best way to describe it. Like after the court, you know, like I've always spoken very positively about how we were treated in the guards and in the courts. It was absolutely brilliant, brilliant support all the way. But after the case finished, it was almost like you're left on your own now. You know, you have to go away. You have to try and find counselling yourself. Um free counselling you're faced with long waiting lists or if you can pay for it yourself 
uh, there's like you're faced with trying to find a low cost counsellor and there's not many of them around either. So I just, that's why I'm campaigning now because I, I, I want them to do more. I want them to carry on the care that mm. they gave us within the court. You made a very strong point that Jerry, your dad, got help or at least help was made available to him within the prison system. That's right. But you had like, to rebuild your own life. Yeah. I mean, I like I don't want to come across like that I'm begrudging these like sex offenders of getting rehabilitation treatment because I think it's just a human right, isn't it? We we all deserve to be treated fairly, you know. But two key words just jumped out out at me as they have a care plan and they have support, but we don't. We have no care plan. We're dropped. We have to find our own and create our own care plan. Mm. There is support, but if you can wait around, you know, it's there. But now, I just don't think it's good enough and it's, it's not right. It was Mary Crilly who introduced us back that time. And Mary had been brilliant for you. And I'm sure you, you could still contact her if you needed to. But it's a more structured thing that you need, isn't it? It is. You know, I mean, I just think it's just not good enough and it's not right that we have to wait so long. Like, you know, the victims are forgotten about. And I think that they need to step up now and they need to sort it out. It's going on too long. The waiting list in like the National Counseling Service here in Cork is about 18 months the last time I checked Wow! and I think the Rape Christ Centre here in Cork is between 3 and 5 months and while I was on Niall Boylan on Friday somebody texted in and said that they tried to contact the Dublin Rape Christ Centre and they were told there was 12 months of a waiting list 12 I months? Mean, it just you know I, I'd hate to think what would happen to victims like myself when you're struggling like I'm lucky I had you know, I spoke about before my faith, but I also have great support network around me. Yeah, you have great people and, and, and yeah. they, they held you up at times when you were falling down. Yeah, they did. They definitely did. Yeah. You know, but not everyone has that. No. And, th- and that's why I'm doing this, because there are some people that you know yourself, that family members turn against them. So they're left completely alone and they deserve this help and then they need it. Yes. And... and is it a direct provision needs to be made by the Department of Health or who needs to make it? Um, well, like I said, that I was working with David Stanton on this and he has been very supportive and I felt like it was just being passed from post to pillar. I think we started with the Department of Health with Stephen Donnelly and then it went on to Roderick O'Gorman um, still waiting for um, a reply back from Minister McEntee. I think myself... It might even be possible to happen between the Minister McEntee, her department, and Roderick O'Gorman's department, because I know that Roderick O'Gorman is in charge of the whole that whole area of counselling and the Tusla. Okay, well, here's hoping something will happen. May I yeah. ask you, Amy? You said you're on the on the verge of forgiveness. And yeah. it's a question I put to you before in that interview, and I put it to you again now when you've had years to think about it how can you forgive your dad for what he did to you how can you find it in yourself to forgive um that just comes back to just my faith again i suppose uh, i believe in god you know i have great trust in him he's carried me through all of this and it's just you know it's the christian thing to do really isn't it it's just to look at the human side of him and not the evil side of him He's still my dad. That can't be changed. You know, I mean, just because I forgive him 
doesn't mean that I can continue to have a relationship with him. I can never have a relationship with him. <laughs> he can never be around me or my family. Do you love him? Bad part. I do. Yeah, I do. Definitely. You were remarkable then. You're remarkable now. Amy, thank you. No problem. Thanks a million. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Just uh, mentioning Amy Barrett there again, there is a petition which, silly me, I forgot to mention with her when she was on the phone. There is a petition on uplift which Amy started and it's a petition to the Irish government, Department of Justice, Department of Children and Youth Affairs for support structures for the victims of abuse. And I think we've shared it. She's asking people to share and to sign and to try and get a bit of pressure on government to get some support for people like herself because when her dad was sent to jail, he had options and access to support and help at his disposal when he went into jail. But she had nothing. Nothing there for her. And only for having a brilliant family and a brilliant support network and brilliant faith, then she wouldn't be in the strong position she's in today. So go to Uplift and look for that if you want to sign it and support her. 1850-715-996 is the number that takes to WhatsApp 83 396-9696 your email opinion at 96fm.ie if you missed anything in the first two hours of the show this morning remember our podcast will be ready for you this afternoon early this afternoon it goes up on Twitter first and then on all your various platforms including the Cork's 96fm app and doesn't cost you a penny listening to the Golden Globes there in the news great to see the crown they got best drama uh, Josh O'Connor who played uh, Prince Charles, Emma Corrin, who played Lady Di, and also Gillian Anderson. I was delighted for Gillian Anderson to win. Such a change from from the X-Files and other stuff she's done. Her portrayal of Maggie Thatcher was just scarily good. Uh, And she won a Golden Globe for that. But another winner last night, normal people lost out, as you know, but it lost out to probably one of the best series available on Netflix or any other source. It's one of the best things I have ever seen. And God, I watch a lot of television. Uh, it won out. It won last night the Golden Globe for the limited series, The Queen's Gambit. And their star, Anya Taylor-Joy. And people look at The Queen's Gambit and they think, oh, that's about chess. It's about an awful lot more than chess. It is a stunning television programme and well worth your time. And trust me, have time when you sit down. Because you'll go, will we go one more? Will we go one? Will we go one? Oh, it's one of those. It's one of those. Delighted to see it doing so well uh, last night. 1850 715 Come here, before I go... On to my next topic of conversation. I missed this on Friday because it came out literally as I was going off the air. And this was the CSO's baby names. The biggest and most popular baby name in Cork at the moment for boys is James in the city. I've got one of those. James in the city and Jack in the county. Actually, my godson is called Jack, my nephew. James and Jack are the boys' names in Cork City and county. The city... And county for girls is Fia. 
Now, there's a name that shot to prominence out of nowhere. It's a new entry to the top 100 girls' names, Fia. And it's come straight in to the top five, actually. It's number two in the most popular girls' names of 2020. Number one was Grace, and number three was Emily, four, Sophie, and five, Ava. But Fia, a lot of Fias in Cork City and County in 2020. I wonder where the popularity of it came from. The reason I asked that question is because, do you remember back in the day of Neighbours, there was a rake of Kylie and Jason's barn? I'm telling you, there was a load of Kylie's and Jason's barn. Names are tend to follow trends and follow patterns. Fia, where did that come from? Boys Jack and James followed in third place by Noah, in fourth place by Daniel, and in fifth place by Connor. And to go down to the bottom of the top 100, the last three places were Sebastian, Hugo and Joey. The top 100 in Ireland. 97, 98, 99, 100. Sebastian, Hugo and Joey. And the girls, Pippa, Paige and Maeve. Now there was a name, that uh, very, very common girl's name in Ireland. Maeve. Down number 100 or thereabouts. And some new entries to the boys' lists. Sonny, which used to be just a nickname. Now people are criticising, are criticising, christening. Christening, stop it. Christening their children, Sonny. And Rian, I've heard of a few Rians around the place, all right. And new entries in the girls' list. Girls' top 100. The aforementioned Fia. Penny, I know a Penny. Uh, Luna. Okay. Cora, which that's as old a Cork name as Tripendrasheen, but it's back in the top 100, Cora. Kriya, which is a lovely name, spelled C-R-O-I-F-O-D-A, Kriya, which I think means of my heart. Elsie and Paige. Paige. Interesting, interesting statistics. 1850-715-996. I was asking whether you were out and around yesterday and if you stayed within your 5K, because it seems a lot of people didn't. Uh, Audrey Buckley, Councillor Audrey Buckley, good morning. Good morning, thank you for having me on. I would have loved so much to go to Crosshaven yesterday, and as I've said before on the programme, because of my son, we, we have a permit to go outside the 5K for him, but we chose not to because I was worried about the crowds. I would have been right to worry. Yeah. And it's not just this weekend. Look, it's been creeping up for the last couple of weeks. We've seen it. Um, but it's been fine. It's been manageable. But the last two weekends, um, uh, especially this weekend, you can see that it's we're here now. We're full on holiday mode. Um, COVID-19 regulations didn't even come into it yesterday. It, it's very, very frustrating, um, especially for the locals here in the area who actually are staying at home because the areas are so full. Mm. The square was very busy yesterday afternoon, I believe, in Crosshaven. Yeah, well, Crosshaven Village itself, um, you know, it is has been very busy. I'd walk the Point Road myself because, you know, it's a beautiful walk down gravel and over across mm. the beaches. I don't do that at weekends anymore because it was full outside. I was getting calls from local residents since Friday, actually, um, about... The, the area being packed, especially Fountainstown. Um, yesterday I was getting calls about the queues for ice cream outside 
the, the local shops here. Um, and uh, according to locals, a lot of these people weren't local. Um, the playground at about half past ten yesterday morning was full. So yeah. it's been an all-day thing. And I heard fountains down about half past ten, eleven was full. The car park. Yeah. yeah. Now, that would be lovely to see in normal times, absolutely. but these are not normal times. No, absolutely. And But, you know, um, we're dealing with, look, I feel like this is such deja vu. How many years have I been on the radio? Well, different radios speaking about this, the antisocial behaviour. The last two weekends here, the bus loads from the 220. Oh, really? uh, Saturday, 40, apparently, uh, approximately 40 teenagers got off the bus in the village and... Um, then in turn, they ended up, um, which I was disgusted with, up in our church in Temple Breedy, St. Matthew's, where the goats were last year, where we just finished the restoration project. They were drinking in there. The local guards were called. We had two guards cycle from Cardline. And apparently they Cycled. got 12. Cycled. Had they no care? No. Oh, I'm not gosh. sure. They cycled from Cardaline. They managed to catch 12 of them. And one thing, uh, I know Seamus McGrath myself last year tried to bring a motion across what they do in Monaghan is on-spot fining and local council. So they give a book of tickets to the guards from the council and they can do on-spot fining because these 12 kids that got caught got fined for COVID related. They were outside their 5K. Yeah. So they were able to get fines for that um, because two weeks ago we had another rave up in the old fort. There's this huge fort in Temple Breedy. One person apparently got bottles. They were from outside the area as well. Um, so look, we're just, I don't know. I don't know where we are. It's, the summer hasn't even started and um, I'm fielding all these calls. Yeah. Uh, we have a new super, John um, DC. He's the new community engagement guard for our area since October. Yeah. So I've asked for a, a that could it be possible we could have a Zoom call with COVID. We can't meet. We need to address this for the safety and health for everybody here to enjoy the, the place. We all want to enjoy it. We want people to come in to enjoy it. Mm. But um, we're after we're off to a very bad start. Yeah, yeah. Because look, you can see how much how frustrated people are getting with yeah. 5k and and that's completely understandable but but you're not being fair first of all you're breaking the rules and you're not being fair but you're also not being fair to the locals who no. live in a most beautiful place all those places grab all fennels they're all church yeah. all beautiful places but you're not being very fair to the locals who are sitting inside looking out I sat in my garden yesterday. I, I, For most of the day, I sat in my garden. And then in the evening, I went for a walk, but I went off track because um, the, all the areas I would have walked in were just full of people. Yeah. So, so what, like, and the fact that guards had to cycle down from, from Carrigaline. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, no, but what? shower of young fellas who are engaged in so anti-social behaviour are going to be afraid of guards on bikes. Yeah. yeah, look, these, apparently these kids, when two weeks ago when the rave was going on and someone got bottled here in Tampa Breedy, the, these youngsters were able to recite the, the the rules and stuff to the guards. Oh, you know? dear God. 
So we look, I am pleading with parents to please, you know, parents need to cop on a bit and know where their children are. I mean, we're talking that they're missing for hours because, they, you know, they got the bus in an afternoon and they're here all night. Where do they think they are, you know? But here's the thing, Audrey, they're supposed to be at home. Yeah. Like that's another I know. They're not yeah. supposed to be gone. Oh ma'am, I'm yeah. gonna wait there now for a while. Let me be friends. And they're not supposed to be doing any of that. Particularly not for hours on end. But you know what? Look, fair enough, if the kids kind of snuck off down here, um, and I totally understand with mental health, I've teenagers myself, you know what, behave and be discreet and, you know, but not come down and uh, you're outside your 5K, you're having a rave party, you're up in an old church, 250 years old, inside drinking and boom boxes. I mean, no respect at all. Um, they just don't seem to care. It's very, very unfortunate. And, um, you know, as well as the, the COVID, when restrictions lift next month, my fear is I'd love to see the on-spot fining. I, the COVID fining, I was delighted that, you know, 12 of these children actually, or teenagers, got fined. Maybe it's a wake-up call. I don't know how many of these fines have been paid. We're going to have to ask that question. Mm. Are people paying the fines? Yeah. If they're not paying the fines, what happens? What's the process? Yeah. Um, so these are all things, but I would definitely plead with parents to to please know where your teenagers are, especially in the next couple of months, because it is quite dangerous, um, you know, if you don't know where they are and what they're up to. Yeah. But um, uh, going back to the COVID rules, unfortunately, we haven't, that I've seen personally and I've heard have checkpoints down as no one, we would have had them at O'Leary's Cross previously and it worked really well mm. but we haven't had them in a while and, and maybe it's because we don't I've tried to call Toker myself three times Friday and I couldn't get through twice Saturday I got through the third time but I was told there was no manpower and when they had the manpower they could do it yeah, and they could, and and all you had on Saturday or Sunday was it was was bikes. That that's that's ridiculous. Audrey, thank you very much, Councillor Audrey Buckley. Um, uh, <laughs> guards, I mean, it is like something out of the Young Offenders, and we know that's a comedy show. It is like something out of the Young Offenders when someone had to call the guards to try and clear a congregation of youngsters in Crosshaven at the weekend, and. The best the guards could do was get two bikes and cycle down from 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 Carrigaline. Like, is this where we're at? Is this how underfunded and undersupported our guards are? And if it is, like, look, last week we had the AGSI on the program telling us that whatever Eamon Ryan is saying about uh, quarantine checks and all of this and the guards engaged in this and the guards involved in that. AGSI has said on this programme very, very clearly, they didn't know what he's talking about because they've had no instructions what to do. And that's the second time that Antoinette Cunningham's had their conversation with me on the show. They have no clue what they're at. And then we have a situation in Crosshaven where locals are staying in out of it because there's so many people coming down in breach of 5K restrictions, thronging the place, and the best they can do is two guards come down on flipping push bikes? It doesn't bear thinking about this nonsense. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, if there's one sector of society that has struggled in the last 12 months or 11 and a half months since everything was shut down, it is the arts. We've had concerts cancelled, we've had festivals cancelled, we've had all kinds of events cancelled. And for the first few months of it, there was nothing to be had. Except there were a few people doing little Facebook live gigs, which are great and still a lot of people doing them. But for actually having something that we can pay to go and see, everything fell by the wayside in, in 2020 for months on end. 2021 is going to be very slow to return to any kind of normal in terms of the arts, but there's money there to help various organisations to put something on for, for, for the public and for themselves and for the artists. There's been an allocation from the Arts Council of €130 million Euro to try to support the sector throughout the remainder of the pandemic. One of the... Uh, events that will benefit is the Cork Midsummer Festival. Its director is Lorraine May. Lorraine, good morning. Good morning. I'm assuming at this stage that it's it's impossible to predict what shape the Midsummer Festival will take this year or have you already decided that it will be online? Well, I suppose like everyone, you know, we, we got word of the roadmap last week and we've been working through that with our artists and partners to figure out what will be possible. Um, I suppose restrictions in June weren't unexpected, so we've been planning for that, and, and much of the programme is being created to be adaptable for online, for intimate gatherings outdoors, or to be experienced at home. Um, we would still be hopeful that there will be some element of live in June. It's, it's just sort of planning now for what that might be. Yeah, it's more likely to be outdoor than indoor, I suppose, if it happens at all. Yeah, I think, I think outdoors is probably a, a safe place to be in June. Yeah, we would hope. We would certainly hope. Now, what, so are you put, you're putting a programme together and this money will obviously be very welcome. Yeah, I mean, we, we had an increase of 65% in the Arts Council on our grant last year, um, which is obviously hugely encouraging and, and welcome. And uh, we have a standstill grant from Cork City Council, also very encouraging. Um, so yes, this, this increased investment will definitely assist us in planning our programme for this year and, and keeping things moving towards the recovery. So what kind of events, what, what's your calendar? When are you opening? Have you got a programme in place at this stage or are you still working on it? Um, so the festival will run from the 14th to the 27th of June. Mm. Um, and we do have a programme that we're working on. And like I say, it'll be a, a hybrid programme of online events and also some live experiences as well in June. So we're, we're working with artists and with our partners in the city, with, you know, all of the cultural organisations, all of which, many of which will have also um, received an increase from the Arts Council as well. So, you know, we're, we're kind of working now to figure out what that will look like. Mm. Um, we have commissioned some artists uh, to create events specifically for um, June and for, for the parameters that exist there. So, I mean, despite it all, we're quite excited about, yeah. about what will happen in the festival. Can you make any revelations to me? <laughs> Um, so the Midsummer Commission, which we, we put out an open call to do a new commission this year, that was won by Toby, Toby Amatesho. Um, and he has a, a, a brilliant event that involves gathering together communities 
um, some of which will happen online in advance. And then we hope that that will manifest itself in some kind of a live offering in June. Um, we've also commissioned John O'Brien, um, core composer, mm. uh, to write a, a lullaby for Midsummer, which again, we hope to, to bring to communities in June as well. Brilliant, brilliant. I remember that the last Midsummer Festival event I was at in person was a, a play um, mm-hmm. in the a penthouse of the Clayton. And so, oh, I, unfortunately, those, those ones won't happen this year, quite likely, but other stuff will happen. Yeah, I mean, I think we're still, you know, we're still working with, with our partners, as I say, with the Everyman and the Opera House. And, you know, we will have some offering with them, mm. um, you know, whether it's sort of online or with a, a small gathering in-house, you know, we're still figuring all of that out. Um, but it, it will very much, you know, be everything that the festival is about. It'll be about Cork, it'll be about place, it'll be about new work, new voices, you know, yeah. and that sense of renewal that Midsummer brings as well. So it, it'll very much feel like the Midsummer Festival. Good, good. I suppose just on the arts in general, Lorraine, t- to finish, I mentioned there in, in the introduction, like the arts decimated in, in the first half and into the back end of last year. The adaptation began quickly, didn't it? But, but, but still, you, this is not the way you want to go on. The arts is about people in places, not people looking at screens. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to get back to those live gatherings and those live events and having everybody together, you know, to experience the arts again. Um, I mean, what the digital element has done is is sort of provide opportunities for us to increase the accessibility of the festival to audiences that we wouldn't have reached before. Um, but as you say, it's been an incredibly difficult time, you know, for the arts and uh, all of this investment, you know, has been crucial in ensuring that we can play our part yeah. in the recovery. And I think the arts will play a really key role you know, and bringing everything back. You mentioned Everyman and the Opera House. The last arts event I was at before it all shut down was a concert in the Opera House with my son. And, and I, 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 I live for being able to go back to places. The hope is that, you know, it'll be slow and steady, but that, you know, maybe by this time next year, we'll have the Opera House running events. We'll have the Everyman running events again and that the arts will, will make a full recovery. Is it possible to make a full recovery from what we've been through? Um, I think that it's absolutely there for the arts to come back stronger than ever. And again, I think that, that all of this, you know, this investment from the government, from the Arts Council, you know, it's all in the future as yeah. well and in keeping things moving in keeping people working, you know, which is really important for us as well in June, in keeping people within the sector and enabling them to sort of be ready to go for when we are all back, as you say, hopefully this time next year, sitting in the Everyman and in the Opera House. Mm. Hopefully it will all come come back again. Listen, thank you very much. Good luck with the Midsummer Festival as you are planning it at the moment, 14th to 27th of June. And as we hear more about what's being planned, we'll, we'll publicise it as best we can because it's a great festival. It's a great event for Cork and it happens at just the right time of the year when you can get a bus into town and catch something and, you know, have an old point, catch a late bus home. It's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. But it all went by the board last, last year in that form. Here's hoping we get something back this year. A lot of people asking me, myself, over the weekend, do I know what's going to happen with the marquee? The simple fact is I do not. And I also don't know what's going to happen with Irish Independent Park. They've had so much been rescheduled for the marquee and for Irish Independent Park from last year. 
whether they'll be able to go ahead, nobody knows. Nobody really knows, and I guess we won't know at all until about the 5th of April. 1850-715-996. Andrew was on, uh, on baby names. Andrew Carroll, we've been delighted to help out Andrew over the last few weeks to promote his new 80s night online and raising money for Adele House and for helping the homeless. He said, morning, Andrew Carroll here. If I ever do have a son, I'll call him PJ. PJ the DJ. <laughs> Thank you to you, per- Fergal and Terry, for all the exposure on my fundraiser for Adele House and helping homeless. Andrew Carroll from Advantage Advertising. Andrew, listen, you keep playing music that good, that man. You don't need promotion, but you're more than welcome. 1850 on promo on um, protests and the rumoured protest in Cork City at the weekend. Sham says, let the protest go ahead. I drove my motorbike through the city yesterday. I've never seen so many people in there and no masks in sight and no guards. A joke. And of course, letting a protest go ahead will help Sham. How exactly? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Back at it and in for Monday. And I've got everything you need on the radio to help whisk you through your afternoon. All your favourite tunes from midday on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will come. It will happen this year. Eurovision in May. And we'll talk more about that as we get closer. Leslie Roy entering again for Ireland with a song called Maps. And there was a lovely little nostalgia piece on the Late Late Show on Friday night about Eurovision. Um, But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about junior Eurovision. Yes, it is a thing and a big thing and a very important and popular thing where the stars of the future can be spotted and someone is needed to represent Ireland and it's all put together by Adair Productions. Fiona from Adair Productions joins me. Hi Fiona. Hi PJ, how are you? It's the music that sends a shiver up the spine of anybody with any interest in in Eurovision. You need people. That's right PJ, so we're casting at the moment for, um, for the junior Eurovision for 2021 and um, so we're looking for talented singers between the ages of nine and 14 years. So this is basically the junior version of, of the Eurovision. And um, we're looking for talented singers that, um, yeah, that would like to be in the running t- to be that person that would represent Ireland in 2021 at the junior Eurovision. When and where does it happen? So we, um, the closing date for applications is the 19th of March. And then we'll be filming the, the Irish heats will take place then um, in OT Studios in Dublin. And then from that, then we'll, we'll pick the we'll pick the the winner or the person that will represent Ireland in, 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 at the Junior Eurovision 2021. Do they have to write their own song or have their own new song written for them? No. So um, 
we, um, you used to have to have your own song, whereas that has all changed now. So basically, all we need to bring to the table at the moment is a great singing voice. So we'll be we'll, we'll do that separately, and then um, so all they need is, is a brilliant voice. So it just it just really opens it up. And um, before this, you used to have to have your own song, and you need, you know in order to compete, whereas now you don't. So it's just an amazing singing voice. And that's that's all you need. So for anyone in that age group, that nine to fourteen year age group, um, like it's a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm, indeed. And w- where you said the, the the heats take place in the RT studios, and they'll all be done, I guess, under COVID nineteen restrictions and and all of that. Where is the junior contest itself being held? So this year, the junior contest is due to take place in France. Um, all going well in November. Right. Okay. So, who is our last junior representative? So in, in 2019, we had Anna Kearney from Dublin um, and she sang her song Banshee um, in Poland. So that, that was amazing. She was brilliant. Anna was brilliant. And um, she, had, she had an amazing experience over there. She loved it. Okay. And that might be a very different experience this year, but we're hoping it'll, it'll still go ahead. Yeah, we, have a hu- able to travel. we have a huge amount of talented youngsters uh, in, in Cork because and it gives me an opportunity to shamelessly plug something I love being involved in have been for many years we have Teen Idol and Junior Idol which happen okay. every every autumn around the same time as the X Factor running on telly obviously we didn't have one in 2020 but yeah. I can think of a lot of teen and junior idols will be itching to get involved in this so how do they contact you? Um, so if they want to get in touch, it's very simple to apply. They just apply online and they go to the TG Cahar website. So it's tgcahar.ie forward slash junior Eurovision. And um, that's just, you just fill out a form there. And in, in, all you really need to apply is a 40 second clip of yourself singing. So they fill out the form, upload their clip, and then, then they're in the running. And, um, you know, the auditions that will take place probably online this year. And... Yeah. Um, and the closing date for applications is the 19th of March. Okay. And tell me, when it all happens in France, is the voting like the main competition? Is it phone-in voting from all the countries or the juries, or how is it done? Yeah, so it's 50-50. Now, they're looking at changing this. Um, so it's, it's, a combination of, uh, it's a combination of voting online and a combination of, of the different countries voting. Okay. All right, listen. Uh, hopefully we'll find someone, might be from Cork, uh, to go forward for... Junior Eurovision looking to represent Ireland. Thank you very much, Fiona, from Adair Productions. TG Car. Uh, IE forward slash Junior Eurovision. All one word. And I'm thinking now of all the youngsters from Teen Idol and Junior Idol who have taken place or taken part over the last couple of years. Some incredible talent if you've ever been involved in that. And I've been delighted and proud to be involved in the final of Teen and Junior Idol for the last God knows how long. I was probably eligible for Teen Idol myself when when I started (laughs) seeing the final of it. Um, But yeah, hopefully we can find someone to go forward. tgcahar.ie forward slash Junior Eurovision. Are you concerned about parenting? Particularly parents of young children, babies, who, who should be reaching milestones. You don't know whether they are or not because you've been locked in with them for most of the last 12 months. They've not seen their granny and granny can always be the first person or can often be the first person to to spot something that isn't right. Or you, mom, hasn't seen her best friend. And again, the best friend who's maybe a few years down the road might spot something and say, that's not right. Or have you been able to see the public health nurse? 
they're the first people that most mammies and daddies, but most mammies see with a new baby. And uh, there's a, they're not seeing them. We've spoken many times on the programme to Laura Erskine, parenting expert. Uh, Laura, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, again, this time last year when we saw the crisis starting, we, we never thought that babies would be at this stage both conceived and born in, in, in lockdown. And, you know, they can miss milestones and we're not trained, parents are not trained to see them, so, and, and they don't have access to those who might be able to. So, so, where, so where do they go? Well, this is the thing. I mean, we're a year in now. So anybody that had a baby uh, either just before lockdown or during lockdown has missed out on those really important child developmental checks that happen with your public health nurse in the local community health facility. Um, so they normally happen at three months, uh, between nine and 11 months, again at two years and again at around three and a half. And what they're looking for um, at those different checks are are to make sure that your baby is meeting um, important milestones and then to uh, recommend intervention or supports if they seem to not quite be uh, able to do all of the things that they should be able to do at that age. Uh, And it's important to have that early intervention so that your child can grow up to be the very best version of themselves. And like you pointed out there, you know, parents particularly first-time parents, um, don't know what to look out for. They're not sure when a baby should first smile, should first, uh, you know, start to crawl, sit up unaided. You know, the walking part can happen anywhere between nine months uh, and sort of 18 to 20 months. Um, But what's normal? Um, And that can be, it can really bring great concern and anxiety to parents. So uh, in terms of of advice as to what to do, your GP is still available. Um, So any concerns you should raise with them as your first port of call. The uh, public health nurses are only just starting in the Mm. last couple of weeks to go back through their list and start making calls to parents for whom they've missed over the last 12 months. So you hopefully will be getting that call soon and get in to see your public health nurse. But you might have missed a few of those developmental yeah. checks within the year. Um, and uh, and then, of course, the HSE has set up a great resource um, in terms of a website called mychild.ie. Oh. And within that, they detail out uh, throughout the various stages of growth and development of a baby from naught up to three years. What are the developmental milestones that you should be looking out for? And hopefully, um, if you did get to see your public health nurse in, in those early few weeks uh, before um, before the, the lockdown, you will have got a, a booklet from your public health nurse, which is actually a very detailed book, which experience, which details expert advice for every single step of your journey during those naught to two years and then they have another one from two to five years but unfortunately if you didn't get that your next port of call would be the website to check for that mm. who is inoculating all these babies at the appointed time for their various injections that they have to have that would be their gp so the gps the the 
the normal childhood primary immunisation schedule is still going ahead throughout COVID um, as planned. And it's very important that parents do bring their babies for their normal vaccinations and that's going ahead with their GPs. Uh, so then the other things are the developmental milestones, which is around checking to see if they're doing things like, you know, uh, the, the fine motor skills, the gross motor skills in terms of being able to pick things up, developing that early pincer grip, um, starting to walk, to talk, or starting to understand um, words, even if they're not saying them, understanding the relationship of objects, starting to stack toys. These are all important things that you might not even be aware of. In fact, the... Uh, the child for uh, the childhood, um, the CDC. I don't actually. I'm trying to remember what, what okay. those three those three initials stand for. But in America, um, the CDC it's a it's a, it's a special pediatric um, you know body that has been set up by the government over there. They've developed an app, and it's called the CDC Milestone App, and it's free to download uh, for for anybody all over the world. And in that, they go through every milestone that uh, a baby should be reaching from naught up to three years. And they also, very importantly, go through the things that parents can do to help bring along their child if they feel that they're not meeting those milestones. So it's a really handy app to download. It also reminds you, um, because, you know, we're, we're exhausted parents. We're juggling so much at the moment. It reminds you on a monthly basis. Have you checked in with the app? Um, has your child now started to do X, Y, and Z? And so you can tick them off and then it gives you supports and ways to encourage them. For example, if your child isn't yet crawling, how making sure that you're doing lots more playtime, making sure that they've got grip on the floor because we've all got these lovely wooden floors and tiles in our homes now, but the child can't actually grip to be able to crawl. They're yes. slipping and sliding all over the place. So put them on a mat so they get a bit of grip and maybe put a toy out and encourage them to crawl forward. There's lots of ways we can um, help our, our children's growth and development and, and everything from their physical development to their intellectual development. Uh, reading is, mm. is hugely important and something we should be doing with our babies from the moment they're born. And something else uh, as well that's come up in the past few months, don't feel a bit guilty about struggling because it's quite normal to struggle. Absolutely. I mean, we're all juggling so much. And, and like you pointed out, we haven't had that uh, support from our extended family and friends. I mean, mums, new mums would have had grandparents there to help them, um, you know, give them a break in terms of, of letting them have showers. and, well, to, and, maybe, and to maybe spot um, that something isn't right. And indeed spot. Like you say, they're often the first ones to say, gosh, should you that should your baby now they should be sitting up now at this point or they should be you know they should recognize people when they come into the room or actually can your can your baby hear because you know when that loud bang happened they never turned around or you know do you think that they can see fully you know they do all of they do spot things that that you as as a first-time parent um, or indeed second-time parent may not spot because they have the benefit of all of that life experience and indeed then all of those baby and toddler um classes that you might have gone to in baby and toddler groups where you've met people with children at, at a similar uh, age of development with other children and you're, you're kind of contrasting and comparing and sometimes it's useful that way to see mm. if your child is, is coming along in the same way. So yes. if you do have any concerns, the first port of call really should be your GP, uh, your public health nurse who are available to take calls now okay. again and then uh, check out the mychild.ie website and that CDC milestone app. Okay. It's a fantastic resource. And they can join Baby Doc Club. Indeed. How do indeed. they do we, that? 
We are a social parenting community. So we've got a, a great community of parents on Instagram and on Facebook. And we've got private groups there of mums with babies of similar ages just for advice, uh, to, to rant, to rave, to ask questions uh, and then lots of advice around where the where the best nappies are, what's on sale, uh, what department store to go to buy what, how to treat colic or cradle cap, you know, lots of practical advice for right. mums. So you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Baby Doc Club. Baby Doc Club. All right, there's loads of information in there. Thanks, uh, Laura Erskine from uh, Baby Doc Club, just for people who are concerned because it's perfectly normal to be worried and concerned about things like that at this time of the year. 1850-715-996. Before I go, I want to go back to a piece of audio from earlier because I think a news story that I've... Just looking at the stuff we've been through this morning, I can't help thinking at the end of the day about that poor woman found in Middleton on the 5th of January, the skeleton. Who is she? Where did she come from? Somebody must have known her. Somebody must have loved her. She has to have a story. Somebody must miss her. And the pictures of her white garment or whitish garment have been circulated. We've done that too. But who is she? Because they don't know who she is. They reckon she was in her 70s and that she'd been there for about 10 years. But just before we go today, let's have one more listen to Superintendent Adrian Gamble, who has been appealing for information. So the message here today, folks, is that someone in the community must know how the female skeletal remains came to be at this locally known tipping point off the shanty pad of Roxborough, Middleton, County Cork. And Garda Sheikhana are determined to formally identify deceased and treat her with the respect and dignity that she deserves. We need to provide closure for a family that, at this early stage, remain unknown and ensure that the remains are brought to a final resting place. If you have any information, no matter how insignificant you may believe it to be, I'm asking that you would please come forward and contact the Garden National Confidential Line on 1800 666 Middleton Garda Station on 021 462 1550, or any Garda Station. Who is she? Hopefully, one day we will know. What happened to her? Hopefully, one day we will know. It's just the way, for, of all the stories today, it will. It will sit with me for the longest. What were the things I did yesterday that no one can take from me? I sat in the sun with my dog and I drank a cup of coffee in the beautiful sunshine. And no one can take that from me. And COVID can't take that from me. And we have to cling to those things and to finish the programme on a positive note, cling to those things sitting in the garden yesterday in the afternoon sun I actually fell asleep uh, on the deck with my with dog and that no one can take that from me Covid cannot take that from me and it won't and it can't take it from you either the programme edited by Terry Brennan produced and researched by Fergal Barry we see you in the morning just after nine The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie Hold up 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 